Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Event Tech Talk Show. Um, we are just under a week away now from the inaugural Event Tech Live US and Canada show. Three days of great speakers, great content, great sessions, speed networking workshops. So if you're watching it now or on replay, hopefully before Event Tech Live US and you've not registered, you can claim a free VIP ticket now actually at eventtechlive.com if you're an organizer of conferences, trade shows, exhibitions. And hey, if you're an event technology supplier or just somebody interested in the content, you can also grab uh, an early bird ticket still at eventtechlive.com. Um, if you also missed any of the last episodes of the Event Tech Talk show, go to eventtechtalks.com. They're all there on back catalogue. I think this is our 10th or 11th episode now. Um, so we're about halfway through season one as we have it planned. And obviously, Event Tech Talks or the Event Tech Talk show is available on Apple, Spotify, all the major podcasting networks. So if you want to kind of listen while you're out and about doing the shopping, walking the dog, all that kind of good stuff, go and check us out there as well. Today's episode is a really interesting one. Um, I have a gentleman on, Lee Matthew Jackson, who is both event organizer and event technology supplier. So kind of one of the very few people that kind of sits both sides of the event. Um, I'm not going to tell you too much about him because I'll let him introduce himself. Um, Lee, let's bring you on. <laughs> Oh, I was show. I was engrossed. <laughs> I was actually looking at uh, the Cookie Monster behind you. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> do you know what? This is getting so many comments at the moment. Childhood. Um, I'm, I'm an adult with. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a kid still with adult money now, so I can buy whatever I like and um, things like this. Kind of. Sorry, right, mate. I've got money. Lego behind me. We're all good. We're all good. <laughs> oh, and that's that's Roald Dahl. My two favorite books there. Nice, nice, nice. I've got a few books in the background, some kind of business related, some kind of not so. So uh, maybe if somebody yeah. zooms in, they'll, they'll see some interesting, interesting ones there. Um, Lee, first of all, thank you for taking the time to, to come on to the show. Um, I've been a big fan of some of the work that you've been doing with Agency Trailblazers and the video and content that you've been putting out. I think you've got some really, really interesting opinions um, just across the board in business in general and life and all that kind of good stuff. Um, nice. So thank you for making the time to, to come on. Um, but I don't want to do the job for you. How, how did you get into kind of being part event organizer, part technology provider? Because you um, are involved with Event Engine, who are a great kind of option for event organizers to run their CMS on, their website, and all that good stuff. But you also organize your own events, right? And, and you have been yeah. for a while. So how, what like brought you to that? It's a, it's a very long story, but I'm just going to try and kind of give you a very top level view. So I've been involved in the events industry since I had a full head of hair and didn't have to hide my baldness under this cap. Um, <laughs> the uh, We focused very much on creating branding and design back in the day with Elliot Young, which is uh, the company that I've come from. Um, and we grew throughout since early 2004. And that company still going, serving the events industry with awesome design and branding. What we then did during that time is we actually developed the event engine product and eventually we then brought that product out into its own business so that's uh, eventengine.tv which exists nowadays and uh, we're rocking and rolling providing hundreds of events around the world their website both online and offline so that's the pitch over what i also do though because i am a 
a digital guy, a bit of an entrepreneur, I'm involved in several different businesses, is not only do I work inside of Event Engine, I also run Agency Trailblazer, which is helping um, agencies, that's designers, uh, developers, etc., to build a business that they love and to keep it. That's what we, that's our essentially our, our strap line. And over the last six years, we've built up a community of thousands of agencies who come to us to learn how to run their business more effectively, more efficiently, more profitably, and really to live a lifestyle business. We're not really selling the dream of multimillionaire and all that crap because there's loads of people who'll do that. You know, Facebook will retarget you with them if you, if you want that sort of information. Whereas with us, it's just real life. We're a small agency. You know, we've created something that's good for our lifestyle and we're teaching other people that as well, which is where the Agency Transformation Live conference comes from, from that brand. And we, we do our yearly conference uh, from that. So we've kind of got, we've got a business over here supplying event tech and a business over here, which has grown big enough to have its own yearly inaugural event. Was that, awesome. as, that was as short as I could make it, I think. No, that was that was a fantastic explanation. And um, just on those adverts of uh, make yourself a millionaire, te people teaching people how to teach people to teach people to make oh. money seems to be the the current course of things, doesn't it? Everybody, <laughs> I think I've got a podcast where I moan about that. <laughs> I'm well, pretty sure I've done sure. that. <laughs> <laughs> let's make sure we don't do that on this one. But I I, I have those feelings and. Um, myself and I, I see yeah. those adverts and that kind of stuff so it's nice to hear that you kind of come at it from a from a totally different angle yeah so the agency trailblazers conference correct me if I'm wrong but just like everybody else you had to kind of pivot to a well, fully yeah. virtual event last year right how, how did you find that just personally um in, in that really process? stressful if I'm honest um so we we had already done our 2019 event. It had gone really well. We had a fantastic time. One of the big lessons we learned was that the venue does not have to be a professional events, physical location. You could use a church. We actually used a church and had an amazing time uh, doing it in that sort of environment. So we'd already spent a whole load of money getting ready for 2022. You know, you always want to make it even better than the year before. We mm -hmm. actually sold 50% of our tickets for 2020 on on the final day of our event. So obviously many of us as event organizers will know that you can sell tickets for the following year on the last day of your event, whilst people have experienced how awesome it is and remember how good it is. They're more likely to buy on the last day than they are six or seven months later when you send them an email. So yeah. we had sold that and I'd spent the money for it, getting the event ready and started to realize, oh no, we've, I don't think we're going to be able to run this event. And my event was in May, slap bang in the middle mm -hmm. of lockdown. So there it would have not, it would have been highly illegal had I tried to have run my event. So yeah, I can see the writing on the wall. We went through lots of iterations. First of all, it was that, um, you know, we're, we're still definitely doing it. And then we were like, well, we don't think we can do it. So what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to do like a half and half. -er, and then eventually I just had to say, guys, we're going to have to take this online um, but what we'll do is we'll throw loads of extra value in, you know, we'll give you recordings, we'll do X, Y, and Z. Uh, our sponsors have offered this, that, and the other, just to really add and heap as much value as we possibly could. Mm -hmm. And we switched over to an online version. So we'd already been developing inside of Event Engine, a kind of hybrid virtual environment, which, you know, time is of the essence, eh? We, we were thinking of this as a long-term plan of something we wanted to roll out maybe in two or three years so i grabbed that uh, jumped on on that we we set up uh, our our 
um, our three-day event it was. Uh, we set up our meeting rooms, our lounges, our live streams, etc., and essentially ran it as if it was a live event. Um, I'd streamed for eight hours solid three days in a row. I lost my voice by the end of it, but we had an absolute phenomenal time. The audience were hyper-engaged. We had so much great feedback, uh, and I really felt like I'd honored... Um, you know, the, the people who had paid money to come, I'd still honored them enough and provided enough value and given them enough networking opportunities, which was really important mm -hmm. um, for them to feel like we'd done good by them despite the pandemic. I don't know how other event organizers feel, but I kind of felt really bad and really guilty that I could not give people a physical event and I couldn't give people refunds for their plane tickets if they'd booked plane tickets to come over because we'd had all sorts of uh, people all around the world planning to come. So that kind of sucked. Uh, we actually canceled it for this year, the physical one, and decided not to go virtual this year either because there's since been a whole slew of kind of events that are very similar online, and I don't want to devalue our, our brand. So we're, we're going to go live again in 2022, um, and obviously for the people who invested in 2020, we're going to give them a significant discount as a thank you for being so freaking kind in 2020 because I was a mess. If I'm honest, I was so upset. I, I can I can sympathize with those feelings, mate, because just myself, you know, although I've done nothing but try and help the industry mm. and, and have my opinions on the values of virtual events. And I really want to come back to your point about, you know, cancellation. Mm. There, there was a lot to unpick there, actually. Like. Um, but yeah, it's a really interesting strategy of you actually from a technology background, having built your own platform, mm. then deciding not to pursue a, a further virtual event. Mm um that's really interesting we'll come back to that but yeah my you know as much as i've been talking about the virtues of virtual events and they have allowed many organizers to continue in business at some scale they've still allowed to uh, they've still fulfilled maybe some of their obligations when it comes to people buying tickets and content and sponsorships and all that kind of stuff yeah I went through that same kind of feeling myself of being sat remotely again away from the rest of my team and actually, it was just totally un, what's the word? Uninspiring to me as an mm. organizer compared to my physical show. You know, when I, you know, when me and my team go down to London and we start building the event, it's a, it's a, you know, there's a routine to it. There's a, there's a tradition to it in terms of the yep. way that everything happens. And there's nothing better, right, than I'm sure like you have building your community as an event organizer and seeing those people that you might not have seen for like three, six or even 12 months. And you know or even you've... ever, which is or cool. Or even ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is going to be the first time you get to meet. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. There is nothing like that physical event. And, and, yeah. and I think that's what I think the beauty of events coming back physically is that most of them, if not uh, the vast majority of them will maybe have some digital hybrid element to them yeah um i'm interested to see how many events are born and survived out of purely being virtual and digital mm -hmm. if they're not carried by a company with a, the the motive of ultimately just you know um let's say advertising and marketing that company or lead capture and things like that like i can see loads of virtual and digital events being that kind of thing the new mm -hmm. the new webinar shall we call it yeah. Um, but from a professional, you know, as, as us, as event organizers, like how much of that is actually going to transition to are we going to pursue just purely virtual or is it actually going to be a stepping stone or that kind of stuff? So I want to I want to I want to step back a few bits. And I know we've got we've got to actually talk about the topic of outcome driven 
um, digital events, online events. Right. But I want to I want to dig into your experience of you obviously moved quite fast. Um, you were a, a very fortunate, shall I say, position of not only being an organizer, so not knowing what you wanted to do there with the event and the content, but having the ability and the skill to be able to build that platform yourself. Was that just a natural kind of transition to go down that route and maybe work with one of the other existing kind of virtual event platform suppliers? Would it affect, were you, be able to, were you able to craft a more bespoke solution, do you think, to yourself doing it that way? It's a great question. The reason why I did what I did was uh, as a web developer and as, as we had a team, it was really obvious to us how we would need to build it because um, this is this does lead into the subject of outcome-driven events. We had had a meeting and a discussion of what do we want our audience, our attendees to get out of this conference? What are the outcomes that we want? And we looked at our physical event from last year. We looked at the feedback that we had. We watched some of the videos back. We talked about memories and stories. And the the biggest thing people got from the event was connection with new people. It was meeting new people sporadically by accident, maybe outside having a cigarette, maybe queuing up for the coffee, um, maybe just table hopping. There were all these opportunities for the, all these people in the community in one physical room to get to know each other accidentally there's a nice word serendipitously that Tim, my business partner uses all the time. I love that word. So we recognized that serendipity was actually the most important aspect of our event. Yes, content was important. Yes, helping people understand what where they were with their business and where they wanted to be and having an action plan for leaving the event with something was also important. All of those were really important, but we recognized that that serendipity was the thing that we really needed to nail. And the only way we could think of going forward was building something that we felt would promote that those chance meetings and we weren't aware of anything that necessarily existed. It was quicker for us in our brains to build out what we could see in our head than it would be to go and research all of the other event tech suppliers and then jump on one and hope it would work. Does that make sense? Absolutely, mate. And I think what's what's clear is that you brought your <laughs> skills together of building technology but actually understood the fundamental grounds that people come to events, right? Yes, okay, it's content, yeah. yes, to do business. But the vast majority of events, people come to them to network, to connect up with people that are, are in their industry, but they might not get to regularly connect up in other ways, right? And, and yeah, that's the beauty of an event. And there's also, as I call it, the events outside of the, uh, the events outside of the event. Like these are all the little pockets of people meeting up and coming together around your event. Maybe that's in the hotel lobby, it's in the bar, it's it's over lunch or all these kind of things that as an organizer, some of it you're in control of, some of it you may organize, some of it you may not, but it all happens and it all goes and gels towards bringing people together and solidifying that, that opportunity, that value around your physical event, isn't it? Mm. And I think what I've seen, and, and even us a little bit, I think, um, being honest about it in our last event, just focused on just purely the, the, the Netflix, getting the content out there. You know, people have bought a ticket for content. People have bought to be educated, to learn, to have knowledge, all that kind of stuff. But actually, it's, you know, that's 50% of it. If, if that, you know, people still want to connect up. They still want those chance meetings those you know to be connected up with somebody maybe random or introduced to people i think that's mm -hmm. a really 
I think that's one that I will see or we will see start to come into play a lot more when it comes to that digital side as people introducing people to each other through that way. Kind of like the, is it the LinkedIn kind of introduction function or something? I think there's that as well, isn't there? Um, oh, I'm terrible at LinkedIn. I post <laughs> personal stuff on it all the time. I, I know I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> Do you know what? I think there's, I think there's actually, there should actually be some more of that, mate, because it all gets a little bit too serious sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like you said, that, that word, it's that serendipity, isn't it? It's, mm. it's understanding that people want to come together to meet up with the people that they know, but for those chance meetings, those meetings in the aisles, you know, at the bar and all that kind of stuff. And I've had some great experiences myself at, at physical events of, of, mm. of that happening. Just out of interest, just on a, on a technical, on a technology level, what do you think or what do you see being the key features and functions that ultimately allow people to connect in that way? Sure. Um you hear me? I saw you dropped your fucking yeah, mate. Thanks for that. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll describe what we did, um, and I think that should help answer. Um, when we were having the discussion, how can we help people mingle and have a conversation, etc.? We recognize that we don't want to try and replicate the physical in a virtual environment, so we don't mm -hmm. want to create 3D landscapes of an imaginary conference hall with tables and have people mill around in 3D and all that sort of stuff. A, because we didn't have the tech, but B, because we didn't really feel that was going to work. What we decided to do instead was um, we presented the content on a per day page. So we had our day page with our live stream at the head of it. And on the right hand side next to that live stream was a live chat that everyone could get involved with. So that was the first step, which was getting everyone talking. And we all of our speakers were making sure they got people asking questions throughout their talks. I was obviously hosting and making sure that I was reading out what people were saying and giving people that kind of live interaction, very similar to a Facebook feel. We recognized that we could get everyone talking in those and then send them off to either their tables or to the lobby. If we could do that, we could then get people talking to each other. Um, so that's how we designed the page. What we then did was all of our attendees were assigned a table at random, and we encouraged people to go off to their table every single break to go and see who they're sat with. They could see all the profiles of the people they were sat with and get to know them. Um, and we would encourage them to go away, maybe set a competition, maybe set a question just get people going and essentially going and chatting in those tables during the lunch break we also encourage people to go ahead and table hop and have their sandwiches with some people go and make your sandwiches let's go and have sandwiches virtually let's go and get your coffee let's have virtual coffee um we also planned um, for a couple of the nights a, a drinks night where we all just sat and drank and we had quizzes and just a, a really good laugh in in one of the main lobbies that we'd organized so we just had all of this ongoing content so the tech for us was text chat is so freaking powerful it's ridiculous um i think people think they need to do audio visual all the time it's got mm. it's it certainly has its benefits but text chat is great because everybody gets heard i think as opposed to if you shove everyone in a room with video screens only the loudest gets heard so we found text chat was absolutely the most effective way that we could get everyone participating and then facilitating the serendipity was by then encouraging people into those tables, encouraging people to table hop, encouraging people to pop into the lobby with us, encouraging people to go and speak to a sponsor about a, a certain thing or encouraging people to go and have a meeting with one of the speakers afterwards. Cause you know, speakers speak because they get clients that way. So we would do a little pop-up speaker rooms afterwards where people could jump in. And if they didn't want to watch the live feed, but actually wanted to grab the speaker now they could. Um, so we did a, as much as we could through audio visual 
so chat like me and you and also through text chat as we possibly could but the actual website itself kind of looked a bit boring it was just obvious there's day one there's day two there's a live stream there's a text chat or go over here for an audio visual natter so nothing special but people knew that's what the rules were as it were people knew that's what we were driving to you say nothing special Lee but what you've what you've done there for me is you've kind of stripped it back to what really matters right um, you've used the technology and, and you've used your experience. This is my opinion. Tell me if I'm wrong, but you've used your experience of understanding how people like to communicate and um, mm -hmm. the preferred method, how then everybody gets a, um, I guess the same level of voice rather than the being mm -hmm. more vocal people. And let's be honest about it. Like there are so many people that are actually scared of being on camera and film, not like me and you, we're quite happy to be shoved in front of a camera where it's we're, we're both gorgeous. That's yeah, it, yeah. Awesome. You know, some good, <laughs> good looking guys. Um, not everybody's in that, in that, you know, I think that's why Clubhouse and things like that are doing so well because mm. they, people can be heard. They just don't, they're happy not to be seen. Um, so it's great. But from what I've, from what you described there, mate, that's a, that's a pure blend of, you know, understanding what technology really is important and, and keeping that to a minimum, but then great event design. You know, great mm. event design of like, how are we feeding these things into people? How are we introducing to them and encourage people to, to participate throughout the event so that they're kind of not leading a horse to water, but they're there at moments in time that make sense for them to engage and interact and encourage in that way rather than kind of going, right, here's something that you can get involved. It's like the, the, the other kind of like the roulette style of like you just, turn up and somebody might be there or not be there kind of thing it's very daunting mm. that for me i think and probably yeah. for a lot of people so kudos to you mate like purely great thanks mate you know using the technology that matters but great event design by the by the sounds of things i want to ask you on your point though leading on to what made you i know you touched upon it but what made you decide not to do another virtual event was that feedback from yes. the audience or was that your, was that driven? That by was you? my decision. Um, so the audience were all excited for another virtual event. At least they were when we had first done our 2021. There was a lot of um, buzz. People were saying this is the best virtual event they've ever attended and all that sort of stuff. So, of course, my head was massive at the time. But I didn't decide to sell any tickets at that point to the following year. I decided to hang on because I wasn't sure how long COVID was going to go on for, but also I wasn't sure what everyone else was going to do. I had a sneaking suspicion that there's going to be an awful lot of very similar events in the industry space because people are going to go, oh, virtual events are popular now, like you said earlier, i.e. webinars, etc., but packaged up as a virtual summit or a virtual event. And we've seen in, in the design industry a massive increase in uh, in events, in, in brand new events that were only ever virtual first, i.e. just started in 2020, um, including some big hosting companies doing their own events, which is all great, but I could see that that was massively saturating what was going on out there. If I then pop up in 2021 with my virtual event, although I have an existing audience and I can get them involved, etc., I kind of felt like I was a distraction and an annoyance to everything else that's going on around there. And I'd prefer to hit it in 2022 with another physical slash hybrid event. So that's the plan, essentially. 2022 will be let's get together because 
we all know we miss each other. That's all we keep saying to each other all the time. So let's do the physical event, which is very different from what all the virtual people we will be doing, but still serving those who can't travel in with that virtual hybrid. Um, I guess the short answer is, is I didn't want to contribute to people's feeling of exhaustion with virtual events. So it made sense for me to pull back for a year. Because I, I don't know if you feel that or if, if you've heard that around there, but my community is certainly sick of, oh, uh, there's another virtual event. Oh, look at this, another one. There's one every week at the moment. I must admit, <laughs> it's, it, it does feel like that. And, and funnily enough, we decided on a date for Event Tech Live US, um, yeah. which is next week, back in you know the back end of November. Um, having looked at a calendar in our industry, in the events industry, that looked relatively clear. Um, and then I think everybody else in the industry must have also had that decision to also run a digital stroke semi-hybrid event, depending on where you are, also in June. Um, from associations to other, there's Event Manager Blog, who's doing one later today. Um, there's us, there's MPI, there's UFE. There's, there's just, I think everybody's decided all of a sudden that kind of this point during the year is a great time to do mm. Um, another virtual event or hybrid event however that you know to your point means that it's extremely busy it's extremely mm. noisy um i think you know not not that this would make it i think if you've got great content and a great event it'll it'll win it'll, it'll always win but ultimately mm. therefore you do have lots of which events and which speakers am i going to see out of all of this lot and you know what the one thing i don't think is that as a as a as a globally we've come around to is actually giving people time off to engage mm. with virtual events i think weirdly the expectation is because you can log in from your desktop you should be able to kind of almost as an attendee be able to listen and engage with this virtual event in the background while still doing your nine mm. to five or whatever it is that you've got <laughs> yeah. going off um whereas a physical event if you're say i'm going to ces or whatever people just accept that you're out of the office for a couple of days that doesn't happen with virtual events. And I think that's one of the negative things about them at the moment is corporates, businesses, whatever, aren't actually saying, okay, you are going to this virtual event, so therefore you are relatively out of touch all day because it's about education, mm. it's about connections, it's about meetings and stuff like that. I know it. I, I see our exhibitors doing it, asking how long do I have to be at this event for ultimately? And it's like, well, if you want the most out of it, all, day. all the time, all the time yeah. it is on. Exactly. Um, so, but but fair play to you, mate, for um, you know staying true to your decisions and deciding not to do something because I think everybody uh, or the vast majority of people felt pressure to have that continuation no matter what. Um, yeah. You know, not many not many events take a fallow year or you know take a year off to kind of bring things back and stay true to that. So so fair play to you. I do have a I guess in a, a, a do you, did you want to make a point on that? Well, I was going to say, I, I guess the other thought as you were talking was that I didn't want to devalue the physical event itself as well, mm. uh, because that even though our online event was successful because we highlighted what the outcomes were that we wanted, you, it still didn't compare to what did happen in 2019. That was phenomenal. And I didn't want to dilute that further. I'd rather come back um with the physical event with a bang in 2022 and, and make it the Mardi Gras, like the celebration of holy crap, what just happened for the last two years, let's have some fun versus, you know, dragging 
dragging on for another virtual that I might not have been fully invested in myself because I was still comparing it to the physical. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think if you're the organizer, mate, if you're not yeah. wholeheartedly <laughs> believing it behind it, then how can anybody else buy into it? Do you know what I mean? Or yeah, is, yeah. It even, is, it, is it even fair? An extension to that question that everybody's talking about hybrid at the moment, Lee, like, do you see a digital element to your event when it yes. comes back as a physical event? Yeah. Yes. In fact, I, I see that I do think that virtual slash digital um, is not going anywhere. In fact, I do think whilst right now people may be feeling a little bit jaded by it, mm. I do believe that we have proven as an industry uh, that we can provide valuable content online. All of us have, everyone watching here, all the event organizers, all the event tech people, you've all done an freaking incredible job in, in the last year and a half serving quality content, connecting mm. people, putting on great events virtually. And there's been a massive impact, which has been, um, you know, saving the freaking planet for a start of the, the carbon footprint of all these events um, is way less than a physical event. So I do believe as the message of environmental, uh, you know, the environmentalism, all of that sort of stuff that's out there, I think virtual digital events are going to help us as a, this is a very big high level now, isn't it? That, but, yeah. you know, as a, as a global, as a planet, um, to continue to meet uh, with each other and to give people that can't necessarily travel into a physical space we can still give them value. We can still give them those connections, et cetera. Um, so I do think that there will be space for lots of virtual events. I imagine that hybrid will probably be the most popular, um, get, allowing people to get access to the content that can't physically get in, um, but also some sort of way of then communicating with the people on the ground uh, versus the people digitally. I'd love to see a world like that because that's going to give me the option to attend US events without having to travel out there. We try not to travel out to the US mm -hmm. so much. A lot of it is the footprint thing. We don't want to contribute to all of the emissions all of the times, et cetera. Um, but equally, it's it's actually a big ball lake, isn't it? Having to book your flights and spend nearly a week out just for a two-day event in the US. So, um, yeah, that was a no, long, rambly answer. But you no, get no, no, no. I, I agree with all those, mate. Me, uh, event industry news, we are fully on the side of sustainability. We've tried to... Yeah carry yeah. that path down you know you've been to our event you've exhibited there no car yeah, no yeah. scheme trying to keep it as i want to say minimal as possible it's not minimal but like what actually matters kind of thing and yeah. how can we cause less coming into london and less trucks and all this kind of stuff but yeah from from our side as well it's it's all those things it's it's can be more cost effective for people it can mm. be better for you know, we talk a lot about work-life balance, don't we? And mm. although I might enjoy going to Vegas for three or four days, I'm not sure my wife is too happy <laughs> about it being left at home with the little one. And, you know, it does take a lot of time out of the office. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not always... I, I, I actually see a lot of people attending events in kind of like a year-on-year-off fashion. And what I mean by that is the physical event is still the pinnacle. It's still extremely desirable for everybody to go to that physical event. It just might mm. not make sense every single year for yeah. that person to go to that event. Um, but what they might do is they might go digital, physical, digital, physical. Or even what I hope is actually businesses allow peop other people in the business to actually experience the event and swap things out. Because I see mm -hmm. a lot of corporates and a lot of businesses go, 
well, it's it's Dave and Jackie that always go to this event. So they're, they're, they're penciled in for that. And the rest of the team, the rest of the business is excluded somewhat from experiencing that event and getting value from itself, even though it might be highly relevant to them. Yeah. Um, and then Dave and Jackie come back and do the half drunk, you know, half memory debrief <laughs> because they've <laughs> drunk too much while in the parties and stuff. So I think that's one of the benefits as well. I think it will actually allow a more open and inclusive way for people to get involved in the event because it gives more people a lot more flexibility as well mm. as all the sustainable reasons, as well as the reach and the cost. You know, we we don't, as event organizers, we don't really talk too much about the cost. It's stressful, isn't it, how much a physical event costs? <laughs> I'm getting anxiety again just thinking about it. <laughs> What will, what will you focus then on on those digital elements, Lee? What what will it be a, a, a kind of a combination of what you were doing at the last virtual event in line with the physical? Have, have you kind of got to that point of what are the outcomes? What are the, what are the well, we've got a few ideas. Reasons? We do have a few ideas. So again, it's it is all about outcome. Um, uh, so the idea of and. You know, this isn't rocket science. I'm not telling anyone what anyone doesn't know. We all know that we put on an event and we want outcomes for our sponsors. We want outcomes for um, our attendees and we want outcomes for the speakers and we want a business outcome as well. So business outcome for us is to make sure that we're running a profitable event so that we can continue to serve our community. For our attendees, we want them to be able to connect and find new clients and or find new suppliers. So we need to be able to facilitate that. For our sponsors, we want them to A, get the brand recognition recognition that they're looking for, but also get some of the conversions and new projects that they are also looking for. So these are all of those very specific outcomes that we will need for our type of conference for your exhibition or for your conference. It may be completely different. That's why it's really important to map all of these out. We've been thinking, therefore, for our hybrid event for next year, as long as we can go ahead, as long as Boris gives us the thumbs up, etc., is how can we facilitate um, and, and provide a means for, um, whilst we can do that in a physical environment really easily, you know, getting people to talk randomly to each other and getting people to speak with the sponsors and, and bigging up the sponsors on stage and connecting people in person, how can we also do that with the digital audience? So yes, uh, in a, a quick answer is we're looking to do a very similar method to what we did, but putting booths in the physical location where we're at, where people can come in and have chats to some of the random people on the tables. So essentially replicating the uh, the virtual tables um, online and having booths for people to go and sit into. So that might be a room or it might be kind of a box with a curtain over it where people can just go pop in and chat, et cetera. But also making sure that the live chat's available via an app so that people can be actually live chatting with the virtual attendees uh, at the same time as being at the event. So that's a few of the ideas that we have. Um, equally, making sure that um, we do... Um, we want to make sure that all the content is professionally recorded and then made available as replays, et cetera, as well. If we're going to just say, hey, here's your learning content, that we want to make sure that that's in as good a quality as it would feel like when we're in the physical environment. Um, what, you know, your eyes and your ears are way better in person. So how can we make sure that we we give a better than virtual experience? Right now, most of our events have been at the mercy of the tech that our speakers have. So when we do the physical um, event slash hybrid, we want to make sure we can give that high production value quality experience that you would get in the physical um, also when they're watching on the digital side as well. Um, so again, another long rambly answer, but yes, we've certainly thought about it and we're not there yet. 
but there's some of the ideas. Mate, stop apologizing. If you came on here and gave short answers, this would be the shortest interview ever. People want detail. People uh, want it's all right, because I'm thinking on my feet. <laughs> Let's be I honest. Everybody, I think everybody is at the moment, right? Like, um, I'm making I, it up as I go along. It sounds great. I'm listening to myself going, wow, that's a good idea. I'll you're probably no, just vocalizing those thoughts and those, those, uh, that imagination. Oh, my earpods have just disconnected. I'll let you, you carry want... on talking now. <laughs> um, so, guys, I think, you know, um, I'm doing the same as what Lee is currently doing, you know, kind of trying to figure things out, going through. I think I think one of the hardest I can things. Hear you. What I was just about to say, Lee, one of the hardest things, I think, actually about organizing events, um, and, and it's to your point that just happened there, is we don't actually have a huge chance to iterate on our ideas and kind mm. of evolve them, right? Because these are annual things. So there's huge amounts of planning that go into it and huge amounts of ideas that go on the table. Some of that stuff will work out, some of that won't. But then it's another 12 months before we get to try those or, or, or iterate on those ideas and, and make changes. So, mate, yeah. the fact that you're, you're, you're thinking on the feet, I think, is a testament to how creative <laughs> you are. Um, but let me just, before we kind of wrap things up, I want to ask you a question on that because I saw a LinkedIn post this morning from an influential event organizer at a very large company and quite vocal about that that hybrid event for her is is this is this horrible thing for her at the moment and and she it was a lady she came down to saying that it was because she viewed it as having to organize two events do you see it that way because is it what you were saying or what the examples that you were giving that there do you feel that they're a huge jump away from what you were already doing at the last physical event without any virtual and stuff? I don't think so, because I guess the way I described it to you, and is this coming through this mic, by the way? Yeah. Now that I, Yeah, cool. Um, so the, the way I described it uh, just in your previous answer is, is that we're still trying to do something based on the outcome. So to us, it's still the same event. We want to make sure we can get people consuming the content and we want to give all the people in the room be that the physical room slash the digital room the ability to connect with each other so as long as they can consume and connect then it's still the same event it just means that we have a kind of a digital extension i'm very visual so right now i'm seeing that as hall one and hall yep. two and three might be the digital rooms but I can still physically see them and I can still connect them in my brain and I can still deal with it as one event. How other people might see it, I guess, will change. Um, and and the headache is the tech. That is the bit that, you know, does do my mind in every now and again. How many iPads am I going to need? Damn it. Mm -hmm. You know, this booth idea sounds great, but realistically, how many iPads? You know, uh, so uh, it, it is a it is a, a mind screw, I think, for a lot of people. I think, is that connection? Yeah, I, I think you have to go out there and you have to try these things and yeah. you have to go through that. And, you know, it might be iPads this year. It might be a bring your own device the year after. It really depends on how your audience actually interacts with it and the value. But you don't know these things, do you, until you actually kind of try them. Mm. Um, and you have to be pushing the boundaries and the edges. If you want some great suppliers on iPads, mate, I know a fantastic company, so I'll, I'll hook you up with, with those covered. guys. Thanks, man. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I want they're... a giant iPad as well, just for fun, because I want to put some of the social media stuff that's happening. You got, um, you got me covered there, have you? I've got you covered there. I, <sighs> a shout out. I know you um... have, because I was at the event last <laughs> in 2019. Oh, I was in heaven. <laughs> um, it was amazing. So yeah, I think uh, we're, we're looking at it slightly differently, where... 
we're ex- we're continuing our trends for November of a five day event, which will mm-hmm. be two days of digital engagement prior to two physical days, which the focus will be on those physical days with mm-hmm. a kind of a final five fifth day fun wrap up day recap day. Um, and actually what we're looking at is kind of carving some of the content out. So we've funnily enough, we've had workshops and roundtable content at the physical event and they've what's somewhat been difficult because there's been so much going off everywhere else that there's lots of distraction for people. Mm-hmm. Whereas this time we've introduced them to Event Tech Live US Digislay and the uptake on them um, has exceeded all of our expectations. And I think that's actually because people feel they're actually easier to get involved in and they're much more collaborative versus kind of just watching content. So we're going to kind of carry that. That's a, that's a sneak preview to anybody that's mm-hmm. interested of what we're kind of planning for the November event. Um, but I think I'll be just... keeping my eye on that as well because uh, I'll be taking notes for mine in 2022. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can we can share all the notes that you want. And, and <laughs> you know what? If I'm honest, that's one of the great things that I think has happened over the last 12 months with our industry is we mm. have been much more open. We have yeah. been much more willing to share. I do um, like that because we're all in the same boat, right? So, yeah. You know, paddling the same same direction. So, and, and I hope that um, I hope that continues. Yeah. Um, awesome, Lee. Where can everybody hook up with you? Where can they check out your event, event engine, all of that kind of good stuff? Cool. Eventengine.tv for event engine and agencytrailblazer.com for everything else that I do. Awesome, mate. Any last thoughts that you want to share with anybody watching this or listening to this on demand? Never eat yellow snow. That is all. So it's a goodie. And it's an oldie, <laughs> but it's a goodie, mate. Thank you very much. Sorry. Take care. Guys, girls, everybody that's either watching this now or on demand, if you liked what Lee had to say, um, please do share it. Um, It helps uh, the channel grow. It helps, obviously, Lee get more connections and connect with more like-minded people and things like that. Um, Again, if you aren't registered for Event Tech Live US, please do go and do so. Now you can claim a free VIP ticket at eventtechlive.com. And if this you are watching or listening to this after, um, go to eventtechlive.com and we'll have all the content there for you on demand as well. Um, thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you in the next one.